the most incredible privilege is that, that you work with human beings. Um, you work with human beings and, and, and the gifts that they have been given um, from a talented point of view. And, and they trust you with that. And I think if I can hold that um, and always keep that up front, then it's it's incredible privilege. Um, yeah, I think the challenge sometimes is for us that we move away from, from holding the human being into holding the athlete. And, and the athlete sometimes things to just performances um, but my experience is, is that in my heart um, I want I want to love them that is that's who I am and that's what I want to do and so if I keep if I hold the human being as, as upfront in my um, coaching philosophy um, then it makes it easier not to make winning the ultimate outcome but that that human being always stays the ultimate outcome so in my whole coaching philosophy i think that is that's the number one priority well see here's the thing i was desperate to get suzanne ferreira on this podcast series we're looking at coaches but not like not you know not your average coaching situation we're, we're talking here a woman south african woman by the way uh lives in Cape Town, well, Stellenbosch University, uh, is where she trained near Cape Town. Now, let me give you some background, because you hold on for this, because it's going to be a proper <laughs> discussion. Uh, Suzanne uh, was educated at the University of Stellenbosch, did a PhD there, that's near Cape Town in South Africa. But all you need to know in the first 35 seconds is this. She's got 70 plus medals through the athletes she coaches at the Paralympic Games, the World Championships, the All-African Games, the Commonwealth Games. She's been at the Paralympics as a coach, athletics coach, 04 Athens, 08 Beijing, 12 London, 16 Rio, International Paralympic Committee World Champs, 06 Netherlands, 2011 New Zealand, 2013 France, 2015 Doha, 2017 London, Commonwealth Games, Melbourne, Glasgow, Gold Coast Australia, Coaching awards, I'd be here all day. Uh, Western Cape Coach of the Year, pretty much every year since 2012. Western Province of South Africa, pretty much all the time since 2012. But here's the big ones. 08, 2016, and 2018, a finalist in the Coach of the Year for the whole country in South Africa. Right, you got it, right? This is a serious conversation. Cezanne. I know you hate all that. You don't like all that fuss. So what you can tell me, because you don't have to worry about it, is how did you get started as a coach? Because you're a sports scientist, because you're a PhD at Stellenbosch. Thank you for having me, Graeme. Yeah, I actually started, I went to Stellenbosch to study human movement studies, um, which is actually a link to, to go back to schools um, and actually go and teach physical education there. Um, but the people that played the biggest part in my school career, in my life during the school career, was, was the coaches um, that really guided me. So I always had this passion in me to go back to schools and teach, to have a job, because coaching is not really a job, but then to coach the, the kids afterwards. But then at, at Stellenbosch, when I started my first year, physical education was taken out of schools. Um, so our course changed from physical education or human movement studies to sports science. Um, and I followed that, that path. Um, but while I was doing the sports science path, there was also opportunities to equip myself as like your level one coach in athletics and your level one in netball, which was my two main, main 
sports at that stage. Um, and I didn't, know, didn't really know what I'm going to do after, after school in order to get finances to support my life because coaching is not really a, a job in our country in those two sports. Um, but then, you know, I, I did biokinetics, um, which is a rehabilitation field. And through the rehabilitation field, I got involved with the pre, um, Paralympic teams that were preparing at that stage for 2000 in, in Sydney. And while working as a scientist, um, having a background in, in some of the coaching, um, I yeah, got to know some of the athletes. And there were well, quite a few of those athletes that didn't have coaches supporting them they're either just training on this for themselves or or with themselves um, and one of the athletes at that stage Hilton Langenhoff and after the after I think 2001 or 2002 at the camp he asked me if I, I will be willing to to coach him so we connected at the camp um, and he asked and I said well if you're willing to learn that we can learn together um, we can start with that so that is how it started by him having faith in my coaching abilities and giving me opportunity to actually, yeah, share his, his journey with him at that stage. Now, Hilton, I, I think I met with you on the Gold Coast, uh, a great guy. Uh, let, me, let me clarify something here because two things come to mind. Statistically, uh, you coach athletes in sprints and long jumps just now. 90% uh, of the athletes uh, have various physical or visual impairments. And though you coach across the spectrum of disability-enabled bodied sport, you did do your PhD on sports performance management for people with cerebral palsy. So yes. that interest, that interest must have been there from a bit earlier than this. Yeah, so that, that was when it started. Uh, it was generated by, by working with these these incredible human beings at, at the camps. And um, yeah, I shared just yesterday a little bit of, of, of a journey, how it happened, because before, let's say, I studied at the university, I wasn't really aware of persons with disabilities. I grew up on a, on a very small um, farm, in a, in a farming community, and it's not something that, that we were used to. So when I got to Stellenbosch, we were exposed um, to persons with disabilities in various contexts. And my, my first exposure was to persons with intellectual impairments in the second year class and I I just it was just too tough for me I really couldn't really yeah stay in stay in their presence for long because it's just so hard um from from my mindset of what are their goals why are these people that are old calling me uh, uncle and aunt, and I am 30 years younger. So just to comprehend that was really tough for me. But then I, I volunteered and I work at this this camps, and yeah, God really just changed my heart towards that. And I realized that the beauty of of how they persevere, the, how they are just human beings with their own dreams, their own um, capabilities, um, and how little our life are actually accommodating those dreams and in that. So I think that touched. Uh, a big part of who I am. I'm a, I'm a developer. I want to buy into people's dreams and and who they are. Um, and just by being exposed to to them as human beings, actually changed my heart. And I saw the need, or was made aware of the need um, in sports for persons with disabilities and and the incredible challenges that it has. Um, but also the opportunity 
to take what we learn in science, normal science, and try to apply it to adaptive environment. And I think that is one of the biggest things up until today that, that keeps on intriguing me. It's nothing is exactly the same. I need to take it and, and apply it in, in different contexts and, and learn from the person that knows their body better than I am. And I think that, that is really part of, of the passion that intrigues me. Well, I, I think that part of what excites me about having the chance to get you on this podcast, Suzanne, in that, you know, from your PhD onwards, and that's a really tremendously honest analysis of growing up in a small farming community uh, and being honest about the fact that this, is a, this was a striking and almost shocking thing for you at first to adapt. And the woman I know has spent the rest of her life being a brilliant team building coach, which is what I want to come on to, a family building coach at the heart of her philosophy of coaching in the Paralympic movement and able-bodied movement. I've seen it across the board with you. The, the, the brilliant thing for me is how you managed to combine the fact that you worked as a sports scientist, but then 2010 to 2018 at Stellenbosch, I've got the note here, you lectured in adapting movement programs and disability sports. And so you've done the theory behind this. You've been a university lecturer in it. But in all that time, it's absolutely hands-on at global level in, in Paralympic sport for you. It's a very striking background. And I, and I think we'll move then quite quickly for pretty much the rest of the time we have together given that the listener now knows your background and your passion. Come on, let's chat about your coaching philosophy. That's what I really want to get under now. Start talking to us about how you view your responsibilities and privileges as a coach. Yeah, I think, Graham, the, the most incredible privilege is that, that you work with human beings. Um, you work with human beings and, and, and the gifts that they have been given um, from a talented point of view. And, and they trust you with that. And I think if I can hold that um, and always keep that up front, then it's it's incredible privilege. Um, yeah, I think the challenge sometimes is borders that we move away from from holding the human being into holding the athlete. And, and the athlete sometimes thinks to just performances. Um, but my experience is, is that in my heart, um, I want I want to love them. That is that's who I am, and that's what I want to do. And so if I keep if I hold the human being as as upfront in my um, coaching philosophy, um, then it makes it easier not to make winning the ultimate outcome, but that that the human being always stays the ultimate outcome. So in my whole coaching philosophy, I think that is that's the number one priority. The second thing is that in sport, um, we we're there as a team, we're there as human beings connecting with each other. And the being that I am, I, I like to get to know people. I like to connect to them about their whole life, not just their, their sporting life. And when you're in a sporting environment and journeying with these people, the, the, the human beings and, and the athletes that I'm privileged to, to hold and, and journeying with, I think that's that has changed me um, in just standing in relationship with them. And that's something that is it's incredible privilege for me and, and something that I, I would like to honor. Um, so when you talk about the coaching philosophy, I need to put it in into words. It's, it's, it's a transformational journey that I have a privilege as a coach um, to journey with them on 
sometimes there are ups, sometimes there's lows, um, sometimes there's growth, sometimes there's challenges. And, and the challenges or the beauty is just to try and hold that in, in the right context so that um, growth can actually occur later on through that. Um, but and, but give, give, give me, I know you need to be careful with names and, and you don't have to name the athletes uh, because there have been a number of high profile top-level athletes that you've worked with, so I'm not looking for anything sensational. But I'd like to hear perhaps a couple of stories where what you just described really had to happen. So you say you build a team. It's about the whole human being. It's about personal transformation. You're separating it from performance. But, of course, a cynical old-school coach will say, well, yeah, you'll just end up soft. You'll be lovely to them, but you won't get anywhere. So, so give me some of the early, a couple of early stories of when this really started to work for you, then, Suzanne. Yeah, uh, early stories. <laughs> um, uh, stories, really, uh, early stories. But you had to work it out, uh, didn't uh, you? Yeah. So, so Graham, in in building up to two thousand and eight, uh, from a personal personal point of view, um, I struggled. I struggled with the concept from from what I believe um, in my faith of, of love as, as an ultimate um, gift and what we hold um, versus training someone to beat someone else, which is in a way for me um, contradicting. And, and I needed to journey with that. I needed to journey. How do I see put this two together? Because my heart and my passion is really in this coaching. So it's something that I believe is, is who I am, but I couldn't, didn't reconcile it in a way with, with, with love. And the only way I could do that was that my part of the journey of love is, is to journey with them in um, letting their light shine. So from a, from a faith perspective, what God gave me was, was in Matthew 5 where he said um, that we just need to continue doing the good work so that people will see it and um, glorify his name through it. So I shouldn't go into too much detail about how does it work. It's just do what I've been given my gifts um, and helped them to create that. So leading into 2018, it was an incredible yeah, experience to be in Beijing. Um, and all in, I think there was four gold medals, but out of, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but athletes had, had believed, but they weren't really on the scene. Um, and the thing that held us together there was, was our family effect, the family that we were four people from one training group going going into, into into Beijing and being there supporting each other, holding each other at times. Sometimes it was tough times and sometimes it wasn't that, but we were there for each other. And I think that's sort of birthed a, a little bit of, of faith in the in the impact of um, a fam- the family effect. And, and it's sort of developing that concept of, of my philosophy a little bit. If you want to have more stories, then 2012 came, and you guys all know that 2012 in, in London was an exceptional game. I still, um, from a performance point of view, from an excellence point of view, from everything that ran on time, from the experience, it was it was really, it was world class. And, and London still can be extremely proud of what they did there. But one of the things that, that stood out there for me was a question that someone asked me, I think it was on day three or day four. And it asked, they asked me, where's all the gold medals? And I look at myself and I'm like, well, you first could have greeted me um, before you asked that question. The second thing is you could have asked how I am. But that's the first thing on your mind was um, how, 
wears a medal, so and, and it and it struck me. And in that same games, one of the one of our top athletes won a medal, and that person, I was lucky to be there to witness it. It was not in my sport, but that person wasn't happy at all. Didn't at one glance. And when I and I knew I knew the person from two thousand and four, and I met her in, in the dining hall afterwards, um, congratulating her, and she was not happy, and I was just like. How can you not be happy? What is what is what is wrong with that? So it started creating some questions in 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 my mind around that. Um, and then I I think that there's some questions on on what is the purpose of sport, um, and the purpose of of if winning is what everybody wants, but that doesn't make you happy at, at the end of the day. Um, and I I started wrestling with that question, um, which led us then coming back in 2013. Was quite a quite a challenging year for us as a as a training family, where everybody they did so well in 2012, but we went through a dip. And, and I, looking back in my life, I do think that that happens quite a lot with with most sports people. You eat high, and then you eat low, and then you need to work through it. And um, I asked myself, but how can people that I believe that great characters suddenly in my and myself as well start to get this let's call it arrogance um in in the sport so it become an ego ego thing and it is the same year where the lance armstrong thing came out and um there was this book from tyler hamilton we in the beginning he says that his greatest value was was honesty in his family um but he gave that up um when he when he cheated and i was like okay i'm Integrity is something that I value highly. How can something become so important that you give up your, your, your greatest value? And I actually went through quite a tough time and, again, struggling with e-sport good, if this is what is happening. And I'm so grateful that, that I could come back to the fact that it's, we shouldn't hold on to the outcomes of our sport. Yes, we're in performance. Yes, performance is, is important in the entertainment industry if the people's not coming to watch the football or the there's no money and then you're not going to earn your money there's not something that i say we we're not having it but the question is how do we hold that in um, what platform do we put that um what is yeah. the glasses that we put on when, when we look at that and i think that is where a lot of things change then for me in, in um putting on a different platform and trying to change my coaching philosophy that it rested then on what I called um, you know, biblical principles. Um, yeah, well, let me, Suzanne, let me, come in, let me come in there then and, and let me just clarify now, for my sake, what I, what I think you say. I've heard you say a couple of things here. Number one, when you first started out, you found it actually hard to think that winning was the most important thing because as a Christian, loving people, building community, building relationships was the main thing. But there's a tension with sport because, as you've said right at the end of that, uh, there's, there's livelihoods at stake, there's economics, there's jobs, uh, there's entertainment. So somehow you've resolved, clearly you're not appointing athletes. If an athlete's going to be good enough to compete internationally in the Paris Paralympics, Obviously, they've got to be a certain level or they're not in the team. That's how it goes. You've got to hit a certain time and distance and so on. So that's, that's done for you. Are you really saying to me then that once you've got athletes at the level to compete at the required event, the number one thing in you now 
is what? Character, integrity, humility. What more than that do you have to do then than build that family? Do you ever give them a row? Do you ever tell them to grow up? Do you ever tell them to be more <laughs> honest? No, but really, you know, all coaches, at the moment, you sound too nice to me because I know you're not that nice. So, <laughs> you know, how do you take them on then? How do you discipline them? Are you like, are you like their mother? Uh, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I like their, like their mother, but you, you do discipline. You, there's, it's a growth journey. So in the growth journey, I, I, any parent do make mistakes and any kids make mistakes if you want to see it. And the, and the same thing is, is it's, a, it's a partnership that you're in. And, and I don't think love excludes discipline, I, Graham. I think that's, that's where we make a, make a mistake. I don't, think, I don't believe um, being a Christian in sport is not pushing excellence. Um, excellence is, is something that I value extremely highly. And I think but there's a difference in, in believing that who I am is the outcome. Um, there's a difference in looking and driving the outcome than looking at driving and sort of holding the growth of the person as a human being. And I think that's two different things, but it doesn't mean Oh, explain it more, Suzanne. Ex explain that. Explain that more. I mean, you're, you're at an absolutely incredible point there. You, you just unpack that for us. So, if if you if I take the first one, if your performance becomes your identity, and you don't perform, and then you really go and sit in a corner and sulk and don't think that you you are worth life or you're worth being loved or there's any worth in you. So because your worth is so linked to your outcome. Um, where your worth is not your outcome. Outcome is just part of part of I want to say the environment where we are in. That is that is sport. That is athletics, um, and we 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 strive to do our best within that. Um, but we cannot. It's un, outcome is uncontrollable for me. It's you, you do your best to control it as much as you can within that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not something. That will come, and maybe you can put a story for you. I had one athlete that that trained for 2016, and I think I can give the names. It, it shoulder to him, and he had a terrible year building up into 2016 from a, a life perspective. Um, we had a lot of life challenges, and he couldn't put two to three weeks of solid training together where he's got cerebral palsy and where the spasticity just became too much, and he couldn't run fast. Um, so I know going into 2016 and then, yeah, his, his uncle passed away. That, that was one of the life challenges, passed away the day that we got on the plane to go to Joburg before the holding camp. So that was a lot of things for him to hold. So <laughs> in my mind, he didn't deserve to do well in 2016 at the games because of preparation. If I just put a preparation part in it. Then I had another athlete, I knew that really sacrifices a lot. He did everything like by the book, exactly where it was. His performances in, in the training, from a training perspective, was, was online, just on target. Is what we wanted to have, and we put a lot of effort into that. So going into the games, and um, if I just needed to go on a, on a science background, Okay, so Shaw went to the games not having a, a perfect preparation from a science, a worldly science perspective. It, it just 
there shouldn't be any expectations for him to perform. Um, but I know, I think we, we really did, um, everything was done like ticking all the boxes that we would like to have been ticked from a science perspective. Um, got at the games, um, the one that, that performed, if I can put it that way, and got the medals from an outcome perspective was, was, was Shaw. Um, and Arno came forth, and not in a time, he ran a lot faster in, in various times. And then one can go and sit, and I sit actually in a stadium, and I ask myself the question, so what is the difference? What is the difference in, in those that won the medal and, and Arno not? And, and at the end of the day, it's that moment of celebration there. That is really the difference. It's, and I call it, there's a cherry on the cake. So the cherry on the cake is a difference for that. But in preparing the cake, there was no difference. So for me, from a coaching point of view, the chocolate cake was still the chocolate cake. It's that mm. moment of celebration, um, of eating that, let's call it that goal that you put out, that makes a difference. But it doesn't change my relationship with him. It doesn't change um, the journey that we had together, the growth that I had from, from both sides. Um, and I think in that capacity, I value the, the relationship more than, than the outcome. Um, but it didn't mean, I think what I want to put sort of play off to, we, you don't need, if we do everything correct, doesn't mean the outcome is going to be what you want, if I can put it yeah. that way. And, and sometimes I was going back and thought, could we have done something different in a year later, still wonder, could we have used something different in a training method? But that was what it was. And, and in a way, I needed to learn that that is what was given for us. And, and we hold that um, for, for that capacity. And we need what I need to do then from a coaching point of view and see what is a teaching moment out of this. Um, it might not be a performance teaching moment. It might be a life moment. Um, and for both of us, it was. It, it was a, it's a significant moment in my life. Um, from from seeing or from seeing love um, after a race that I've that I've never ever experienced in my life. So it's something that is is such a big part of of my being now and where I go. Um, that the outcome is not is is not the thing that is most important. Yeah, you 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 make it very clear, and I like your picture of the cake with a cherry on top. I'm hearing you say. You've got to think of being a coach, a whole life coach, as a process. It's a process of love and investment and relationships and family and discipline and integrity and hard work. And if you win at the end of that, if the performance gets you the result, celebrate. If it doesn't, grieve the defeat. But neither of those is really the heart of the relationship that you have with the athlete. It's the process of all those things together that makes the, makes the whole. Now, Suzanne, what do you do then? If I had, if I had 50 English pounds or 70 American dollars or something for every time a Christian athlete has failed to get the performance they wanted, and says to me, I don't know what I did to let God down in that. Why did God allow that to happen to me? Gosh, I would be a rich man. 
Now, you're an un- unashamed, clear follower of Jesus Christ. We have people who aren't who listen to this podcast. They know what they're listening to. I'm going to ask you two things here. Firstly, what do you say if in the early days of working with an athlete, they don't get the result they want, the performance they want, and they say somehow God wasn't there? What do you say to them? Graham, I don't think it's a place to give them an answer. I think it's a it's a place to hold the, the moment and let them speak out. Um, let them hear um, how they, yeah, let them just validate their feelings at that moment. I think if if we start giving answers, we we try to be God in that moment, and and God needs to be God for them in that moment. Um, so I think it's it's I needed to learn um, through my journey to all that, um, and and. Yeah, just give them a space to, to share their heart. And, and with okay. time, journey with them through that. Yeah, good. And thank you for putting me in my place for a ridiculous question because a proper coach like you has all the empathy in the world and the tacit knowledge that says, shut your mouth and let them grieve. So thank you for putting me in my place. So now let me then ask you, in, <laughs> advance, in advance of the grief, in your week-to-week coaching and the process of building this team of, of athletes where there's a community of people who matter more than results, if they have faith or if, they, if they're coming to Christian faith, what do you say then about this? Because so many people feel that somehow if they pray a bit harder or be a bit less naughty, that somehow they learn some favor with God that will get what you might call the cherry on the cake, the result. How do you coach them to see God for who he is and get their sport in the right perspective? Yeah, so it's, it's a difficult one, not, not knowing exactly where the person is and trying to hold the full context of them. So I'm going to try and, and use some principles, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, is, which is not set in, set in stone. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think, the important thing is, is to let them try and explore who they think God is and, and asking some open-ended questions in that area. And if they really truly believe that if he's a loving father, if that is what they say he is, will he be really disappointed in, in them, in the, that performance? Is that really the thing that matters? So if they were a father and they hold a child sort of let them explore that i i'm i'm very careful giving advice because the important thing is to to discover what it what the their beliefs are around that um and then journey around that with them is it um and try and let them then go and discover and read up who, who, who God, what god's heart really is and how we do look at us at, at humanity um but i think one of the challenges um and is, is how we look at, at God's favor. And, and if God's favor equals performance outcomes in the first place and, and gold medals, then I do think we have slightly skewed perspective on, on what, his, what his favor is. Um, because his favor is grace. And maybe at that moment, if you didn't, didn't win the medal, his grace is actually to teach you something in, in that moment. And for me, is to hold the verse or the promise that he has that everything that all his dreams is for, for our good towards, towards the end. Um, and good at that moment might not, have, might not have been gold. So for me and my heart, I would like to hold that and try for them to, 
to to journey into that, um, but not advising them, um, holding their beliefs or trying to surface their beliefs that they might have and, and journeying around that. Well, uh, that's extremely elegant, Suzanne. It's extremely elegant. You can coach my team anytime because you're so calming <laughs> and so relaxing. So relaxing, so much so. Hey, as you plan forward, can I turn back to you as the coach for a moment now for the last few minutes we have? Um, you've, you've lectured and coached intensely for a good eight years. I mean, trying to do a job as an academic at Stellenbosch and doing this huge amount of coaching at global world level. Um, I see that uh, at the end of uh, 2018, you've stepped back from academia, at least for now, uh, and thinking perhaps of Japan next year, made some adaptions in your own life. Is it okay to ask about some of those and how it relates to your vocation as a coach? Yes, you can ask some questions around that. Well, I'm asking, what are you doing? Oh, what am I doing? Um, Graham, at this moment, I'm, yeah, I, I did resign at 20, end of 2018 from the academics. And um, and just, I think two things that I, I try to hold is, is, is a life of simplicity um, with, within a context um, where I, I really believe, yeah, that, that God guided me into making that that decision it wasn't yeah you know, that academics I don't like it or it was just like can you trust me and and step into that um, from from a, from yeah from a supportive point of view and then um, coaching has always been been my heart so far and and East Tokyo twenty twenty is, is a big focus and um, to prepare the athletes that is streaming to go there to the best of best of my ability and, and to be there for them um, in my full capacity and not trying to hold to, to jobs. Um, but also in that I'm I'm busy learning to to allow God to be the master coach in my life as well. And and journeying without having at this moment certain outcomes or or things that I have in my mind, what I want to do after that. I'm just trying to learn his voice in, in this as well. Um, and and respond to that in a in a I want to say day to day basis. Um, so it was quite an interesting first six months, um, <laughs> letting go a lot of a lot of my ego and um, purpose question on purpose. As you know, I ask you some questions around that and and so forth. But it's it's been a a life giving and a freeing experience. Um, and I'm yeah. If you want to ask me what I'm going to do after 2020, my honest answer. Um, I don't know. I if it allows me to continue coach after that, I, I will do that. If it takes me in different directions, I'm I'm at a place of 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 openness with open hands and and heart and mind and trying just to respond to to his call. Oh, it's a it's a it's it's a nice answer to hear for me because in the very way when I hear you, what I hear subjectively, because of course you think about your own life as to the listeners. I'm listening to you. I'm hearing the answer. I'm thinking. What does that mean to me? Uh, and I, I find myself thinking, gosh, you know, I'm involved in a football team. And when you said, you know, you resigned, you're an academic, you'll have a reputation 
as an academic, as an academic, you live in a city which is very based around academia and sport. And then to find yourself not introducing yourself as a lecturer at Stellenbosch and the crisis of identity that that must bring at times must be very similar to what we're talking about with athletes because you're proud. I've, I'm, at, I'm at a major athletics championship at the moment and I've just come from the lobby uh, to talk to you in this podcast. So we're in different parts of the world. Um, and I saw a, a boy, a man, who won the gold last night and it's a major gold it's a major triumph and of course as he's walking through the lobby he's a lovely guy but he looks like he's floating on air his whole Mm. world is fantastic Mm. but you know what I saw five meters behind him somebody who didn't even make the semi-finals when they should have medaled when they should medal at this event and that young man who's walking across the lobby with his head almost between his knees couldn't look at anybody in the eye so your identity in sport becomes so wrapped up with your performance that mm. even for you to have a taste of that in your change of plan must help you to see how demanding it is of athletes that they are what they do. It's so dominant, isn't it? You are what you do. Yeah, I think that is a big part of what is busy yeah, developing in my heart is, is around this whole thing about the importance of performance and linking it a little bit with seeing what is going on around burnout in, in life. There's in academia, there's in different areas in life. And I think I, I gave a you know, presentation the other day at the coaching summit and, and there's three things that they hold out in in a burnout. And that is um, if we do not have self-mastery in something, if we don't have a bigger value and purpose and we don't have a sense of belonging and burnout happens. So if you take the whole performance environment of our sport, self, and if self-mastery then becomes your performance outcome, then it's not self-mastery anymore. It's, it's performance and your identity shifts completely. And if that becomes your identity, suddenly you don't think you belong anymore because your identity sort of created belonging for you or in your mind. It's not true, but in your mind, that is what was created. And if you don't win the medal, there's no value for others in it because you don't win the medal. So I can 100% understand how if we move that that is all that we need for, that we are in the performance area, that that it's, yeah, it creates a burnout or a depression or a mindset that is really so hard. So the big part in my heart that is moving on, how can we do something about that and how can we look at, at sport um, in a different way that, that is not created um, in a person's life? My final question, I, I fear you might not answer because you're so reticent to give advice because you, you'll think it's arrogant, but more than that, you think people have to discover these things for themselves. I understand that. But a lot of you know, good coaches, high-profile coaches, uh, will listen to our podcast. Can I dare ask you, maybe for a top tip, but probably for the cause of what causes you to reflect most on what coaching really is? I'd just like somebody to hear a synopsis of what we've said here that really has your attention at this moment or your heart for the coaches who are listening in. (laughs) 
shock, right? I, I don't want to call it a top tip, but what in my life, I can only speak out of, out of my life. Um, the place, the value, the love that I have for the athletes. So that is the first thing that needs to develop. And then the, the, the partnership that's between the two of us will make that I come back at night if there was a moment where things didn't work out, that I will reflect. I will reflect on how can we actually do that better. But it's the, the driving factor is, is the buy-in, the love that I have for that athlete. Um, I cannot see. And that the only reason why I can have that love is, is because God is giving me that love. His he's grace is in my life for that. Um, and to go back to him and ask, okay, how can we do this 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 better? So, um, so my my desire to to honor his grace in my life, my the heart that I have to to hold that in relationship with the love towards a person, um, I think is is a thing that that make me reflect. And that is something that is developed in me. It's not something that I can say, yeah, go and do and do this. It's 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 developed by by standing in that relationships so there's a top tip i would say give yourself to that love in that relationship and allow that love to be returned to you um because that is i cannot be more grateful for for the lives of all of those athletes whether they were with me for 14 years or two years they their life changed mine um through grace and and um, that would be my number one top tip is, is like allow that love to love you um, or to love and to let it love you back. Suzanne Ferreira, uh, masterful, enjoyable, humble, modest, just the kind of person you'd want at the heart of coaching, not just in her own country, but uh, across the world in some of the major centers of competition. Uh, thank you very much indeed, and I've no doubt we'll be talking again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, Graham. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it.